such a blessing to be here with you guys this evening. Um, just by a show of hands, I have a couple of questions. First off, how many believe that God wants to speak to you personally and directly this evening? Would you raise your hand? Man, that's a heart that God will meet. The second question, even as uh, Pastor Chris was doing uh, the announcements, and he brought up the fact, these little cards, and just pray over who you would invite. And I was just thinking how I ended up at this church, and I ended up at this church because of one reason. I was invited. How many of you guys were here because you were invited? Look around real quick. Think about this. So, I mean, man, and if you love it here and you're blessed here by the ministry here, take those cards and invite people. Now, for me, I had a little special incentive because I was invited by this gentleman of whose daughter I was dating. So I couldn't say no. And uh, that gentleman is now my father-in-law. And I, um, I'm just so thankful that he loved me enough to invite me to this place. And this place has changed my life through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ. I'm just amazed that... God loves me as much as he did and that he does and what he is doing in my life. It's amazing. And it started just with an invitation. That was it. I was lost. I was a mess. So I said, hey, come to church. And that was the perfect timing because I was literally picking up his daughter for the first date. And I had to impress him. I couldn't say no. That would have been a terrible, terrible thing. And I remember I came and I wasn't in the right mind. But, you know, God got me right over time. So, uh, yeah, just overwhelmed. So one thing that we didn't talk about is this coming Sunday is Pastor Brad's last message. And uh, we want to invite you guys to come on out and just be a part of this special, special time, this special, special man, and just honor him and bless him. He's done so many great and faithful things in this place, and we're just going to love on him this coming Sunday after the second service. So it starts at 11. If you want to come to the first service and then come afterwards... We are going to have some fellowship and uh, cake and all that kind of sweet stuff. So make sure you guys come on out. And uh, if you know anybody who might want to be a part of that, you can invite them as well. So Acts chapter 27, we're going to be finishing the book of Acts today. We're going to be looking at Acts 27 and 28. And so uh, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you look down and I know you are blessed, Lord. You said you're looking for those who will worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And we worship you. We love you. We glorify you in this place, Lord. And now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, every single person here believes, Lord, that you desire to speak and to change us and to help us become more like you. And so, Lord, you said without faith it's impossible to please you. And, Lord, we have faith that you will say something to us today that can help us be more like you. God, we believe and we have faith today, tonight, right here, right now, God, that you will give us answers to questions that we've been searching and, and looking for. God, and so touch, meet, heal, do amazing things to your word now. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. So buckle up. We're getting through two chapters tonight. And uh, so uh, do not call the police. We might be doing some speeding, going over 65 tonight. And uh, so catch what you can. No, we're going to have a fun, fun time. And then the next two Wednesdays and next two Sundays, we're going to have uh, Christmas messages and uh, just really uh, just glorifying Christ during this Christmas season. So we're excited to um, finish tonight. So let's go verse one of chapter 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustine cohort named Julius. And embarking on the ship to Adamitian, which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated 
Paul with consideration and allowed him to go be with his friends and to receive care. Finally, we are wrapping up the final journey of the Apostle Paul. We know that he had been trialed and tried and tested time and time again. And finally, he was done with it and he wanted to see Caesar. He appealed, said, send me to Rome. I want to see Caesar. And so now this was a heart, a passion of the Apostle Paul for a long time to go to Rome. And now he's on his way. Now, this was a place that the Apostle Paul knew, if, if I could just get to Rome, if I could preach the gospel there, plant a church there, the gospel, this could be an amazing hub, the most prominent city of this time. If I could do a work there, it would just be amazing. And so God's given him the desire of his heart to go and to preach and to impact the world in this most important city of this time. But it wasn't exactly how we expected it, was it? He probably expected to go as a missionary, as a free man, to go to and fro, to preach and to share as he saw fit. But that wasn't the case. He was going to go as a prisoner. He was going to go on a ship with over 250 other prisoners, criminals and murderers. And he was going to be transported this way on his way to Rome. And it just got me thinking, sometimes things don't work out the way that we expect or the way that we think or the way that we want them to. But there's our plans and there's God's plans, and sometimes those plans don't align, do they? I wish they did every single time. Actually, I wish I did it. The longer I walk with the Lord and the more mature, the closer I get to him, I'm so thankful that my plans don't intersect with God's plans. Because oftentimes my plans have to do with pleasing me how to do with making my life more comfortable. And at times, those aren't necessarily the things that God wants. I think, if man, if God had given me every single thing that I wanted, I probably wouldn't be here right now. And I think it's not just me. I think we could all say that. But through God's plans, through his design, through us submitting and surrendering our life to him, he has us right where he wants us. And right where he wants us is right where I want to be. Right where we should want to be. And so here he is as a prisoner on his way. And the leader, the centurion that all these prisoners in the ship is under the leadership of is a man named Julius. Now, he was the one that was going to make sure that they leave Caesarea and get to Rome. And he had the responsibility of that. Every single time we see centurions in the scripture, they're always held in high regard. They're always well-respected men. Men of prominence, men of power, but also men of integrity. It's really unique that we see that every single time. And that's the case here as we will see and we study a little bit about this man named Julius. It says in verse 3 that Julius let him go with his friends to receive care and he treated him with consideration. Now, Julius was a centurion who was in charge of all these criminals and there was something different about the Apostle Paul. When they landed at the port, he let him get off the boat, not just get off the boat, but he let him go with his friends to receive care, to fellowship. Now, if I was a centurion in charge of all these prisoners who were going to Rome on trial, I probably wouldn't let one, hey, go and I'll see you later. Come on back in uh, six hours. I probably wouldn't treat soldiers like, I mean, I wouldn't treat prisoners like that. But there was something about the Apostle Paul that he said, I'm going to give him these privileges. Even though he's a prisoner, even though he's a criminal on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar, I'm going to give him these privileges. And I think we know what it was. 
Even in this short amount of time, this man Julius was able to see the way the Apostle Paul carried himself. The way that he walked. The way that he talked. The way that he conducted himself. The character, the integrity. The things are of the utmost importance as men and women of Christ. He said, man, this is a guy that that I can trust. So much so, I'm going to go, you go ahead and go. The rest of you guys, i got to keep my eyes on him, but not you. You go, have fun with your friends, get taken care of, and just be back. And I think that's the type of place that we should strive to be. That, that type of character, the type of integrity that our bosses, that our supervisors, that our husbands, that our, that our wives, that our brothers, our sisters, trust us fully. Those are the type of people we should strive to be. And that's who the Apostle Paul was. So here they are on the road. It says in verse 4, From there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. When we sailed through the sea along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we landed in Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. And when we had sailed slowly for a good many days, with difficulty had arrived off of Sinaitis, since the wind did not permit us to go further, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. And with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which the city of Lycia. So after the Apostle Paul gets off, they have to stop and they have to reload the ship. The Apostle Paul goes and gets, uh, gets ministered to a little bit. Now they're on their way to Italy. They get on, it says in verse 6, an Alexandrian ship that was a little bit bigger, a little bit larger, and it was setting sail to Italy. And this was a very dangerous time to be traveling, especially by ship. And we'll study that a little bit more as we get into chapter 27 and chapter 28. So they're staying real close towards the coast as a wind barrier. And so they're going along the coast and it says in verse seven, the journey was very, very difficult. Why was it difficult? It said because it the difficulty of the wind. It was just blowing against them. It was contrary. And it says it was that way for many, many days. So as they're sailing up to Italy, the winds are coming and the storms are beginning to brew. They were fighting these things. And so they are going along the coast. And it says in verse 7 that they were right close to Crete, riding close to the land for protection. We see in verse 9, it says, When considerable time had passed, and the voyage was now very dangerous, since even the fast was already over. Paul began to admonish them. And he said to them, Men, I perceive the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss. Not only to the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by the Apostle Paul. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached the decision to put out from sea where they were if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete close inshore. Verse 14, but before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind. And when the ship was caught in it, it could not face the wind, 
We gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of the small island called Clada, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. And after they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run aground the shallows of Sartis. They let down the sea anchor, and in this way, they let themselves be driven along. So they get on this ship. It was an Alexandrian ship, a very large ship. As we'll find out about, the crew was about 276 men, prisoners, and uh, travelers, all sorts of different groups of people. And it's a very, very dangerous time. And so they're sailing, and finally they get caught in this storm. And we see in verse 9, Luke points out the fast. And this term, the fast here, refers to the Day of Atonement. And the reason that's important, because it gives us the exact time of the year that they were actually traveling. This would have been around the first part of October, which in this area was known for dangerous storms, sudden storms, very dangerous time to be out at sea. And that time would start from about September to about mid-November. So they're right in the midst of it, on their way to Rome, caught in this storm. The winds are beating, and they just begin to uh, just kind of trying to weather the storm and trying to get through this. Now, this was no surprise to the Apostle Paul. We know that he had went on several missionary journeys. He had navigated through these regions, and so he knew what he was getting himself into. He knew what they were getting ready to go through. And so he begins to exhort them in verse 9. He knows he sees. He had traveled them. And so he says, look, guys, things are going to get difficult here. He began to admonish them, the Bible said, saying that I perceive that this voyage is certainly going to end with damage. And the way that it's going, not just damage of the ship or the cargo, but even our lives. Guys, this is not safe. He knew this. Now, we know the Apostle Paul was a rabbi. He was a a teacher, a church planner. He was a lot of things. And so maybe they didn't take him serious. This guy's not a sailor. But 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 says that he was actually shipwrecked in this region three times. He knew these seas. And so he was willing and bold enough to say, look, let me just share with you what I do know. And so he laid it out before them and let them know, guys, this is not good. But after listening... Taking in all the information from the Apostle Paul, we see in verse 11 that he decided to go with the pilot and the captain's recommendation. He said the centurion was more persuaded by the pilots than the captain of the ship. Paul shared his heart. And nowhere do we see that once the guy was persuaded and went with another decision that the Apostle Paul got angry. How many of you guys are happy when you share your opinion and it feels like it gets dismissed and thrown aside? Anybody like that? What about when you really know something? Maybe people look down at you like, oh, this guy doesn't know nothing. It's like, what? I really do know. Let me share my opinion, share my value, especially when we're doing it to help. And they laugh. (laughs) And they just go and they do their own thing. Nobody likes that. But it's how we react when those types of things happen. You see, nowhere in the scriptures, the Apostle Paul says, look, here, let me share with you some things that I've been through. Let me share some things that I've learned with you. And they said, thank you so much. And they went with the pilot and they went with the captain. Now, whether this was a good decision or a bad decision, this is what they went with. 
And the Apostle Paul, we see nowhere in the scriptures that he got upset, that he got angry, that he fought for his way. And I think this is important for us in so many different areas in our lives. When we voice our opinion and it's thrown to the side, our pride is hurt. Especially us as men. We know everything. And so when we try, well, we think we know everything. Ladies are like, hey, man, this is the only note you ladies are taking right here. We think we know everything, and so we're sharing, and all of a sudden, when, we, when we're not feeling valued, we're not feeling respected, and our views are just thrown to the side, we get upset. And not like the Apostle Paul, we don't humble ourselves and just go along and go with the flow. We get a little louder. I don't know why, but our chests go out a little further. And we want to make our way known. And I think we see it right here. We just share our hearts. We share information. And ladies, my sisters, those of you guys who are here married today, you have a wonderful calling. The role that God has called you to is to respectfully submit to your husband. I know you ladies love that. It's the easiest calling in all of the scriptures for you. But it's difficult at times when you share your opinion respectfully and your husband doesn't listen. And I think we see the thing we're supposed to do. I think we see what submission looks like here. Apostle Paul, he gave some opinion and then he just backed off. And those of us who've read ahead, we know what the story looks like. The ship ends up crashing, they end up getting caught in a storm. And the Apostle Paul actually said, I told you so. Ladies, don't say that. Don't say that. We know that, okay? We know that. And over time, we'll learn that more and more and more. So thankful for my wife. I've learned lessons the hard way. Not listening. Dismissing ideas. Things that she's sharing to help me. God gave her to me that my life might be full and complete. God gave her to me because my life was missing something. And so... Knowing that God gave her to be my helper, man, when she shares things, I gotta really listen. I gotta really listen and hear and, and take advice. Knowing that it's for good. That's not what happened here. They didn't, and we'll find out what happened. It says in verse 12, they didn't wanna listen, they had a reason. It says in verse 12, because they were not in a suitable place to spend months in. The Apostle Paul said, hey, we need to rest, we need to relax, and we need to weather this storm. But they didn't want to be there during winter. This place called Fair Havens, it wasn't a, a suitable place for, for winter. It'd be stuck in a snowstorm with not a lot of resources. And so they tried to, in verse 12, it says to make it to Phoenix. They wanted to get to Arizona. There's no winter there, okay? The summer, they were, you know, all the snowbirds were getting to Phoenix. Let's weather the storm. It was about 40 miles from where they were at this time. 40 miles. And so the captain, the pilot said, we can get there. Let's, let's get there. And so it didn't turn out to be a good situation. Look at Acts chapter 27, verse 21. It says, when they had gone a long time without food, the men stood up. Uh, I'm sorry. Then Paul stood up in their midst and said, men, you ought to have listened and followed my advice and not set sail from Crete and occurred this damage or loss. They made a wrong decision. They didn't take heed to the counsel from the Apostle Paul, and it didn't turn out well for them. And Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, the first time we've ever seen him do something like this. 
I told you so. We wouldn't be in this situation. Let's look at verse um, 13 and 15. And so as they began to sail along, they dismissed the apostle Paul and they said, let's go. It says in verse 13 that everything started out well. That they thought that they were attaining their purpose. They thought that they were staying the course. But eventually the heavy winds came in and they got caught in a storm. Things started off smooth. They probably thought, hey, they were right. The Apostle Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Who is this guy? He's just some rabbi trying to tell us I'm the captain of this ship. Started smooth sailing. And then all of a sudden, the winds got fierce and more fierce. Before they knew it, they were caught in a terrible storm. And there's so many illustrations that we can glean just from that section of Scripture right there. But I think the most important one is, is just really applying that to our walk with God. You see, God has given us a conscience. He's given us the Scriptures. He's given us a Holy Spirit to be our barometer, our boundaries, if you will, between right and wrong. And when we begin to drift into those things that we know that are wrong, if we're not careful, at first we're, we're a little sensitive and we're moving forward with a little, a little caution. Oh, oh, that's not that bad. And, and, and we go a little bit. And at first we think, oh, this little compromise, this little sin, this little thing that we're holding on to, it's not that bad I'm doing it and everything seems to be going well in my life. Everything's still good. God is still blessing and we begin to deceive ourselves, thinking that God doesn't see, that God doesn't care. And so we continue going on, thinking, man, this is good. That pastor gets up there every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, and he condemns sin. And he preaches holiness. But I'm, I'm holding on to this, and I'm having fun in this, and nothing's happening. It starts off real smooth, and then what happens? Before we know, we find ourselves in a pit. Before we know it, we find ourselves in a disaster, in a storm. And we're thinking, how did we get here? Everything was so good. And then all of a sudden, it hits me. It's the way sin is. It's a trap. It's a deceptive trap from the deceiver. And so we have to stay far, far from it. Or we'll get caught in a storm of destruction like they had found themselves in here. And so now all they could do is in verse 17, begin to prepare for a crash. They began to, to gird the, the boat with, with wires, trying to hold it together, and just trying to brace themselves, it says in verse 17, to run it into the ground. We're going to crash, and there's nothing we can do. Let's, let's just kind of clinch, all because they wanted to go down their own path. So we're going to jump to verse 32. Um, if you missed... Uh, this, that section, um, verses 18 through 31, Pastor Brad covered that on a Sunday morning message called Don't Jump Ship. And that's available online on our website or social media, all those types of things. So we're going to pick up in verse 32 of chapter 27. It says, Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. Until that day was about... Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you, that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation. 
for not a hair on your head or any of you will perish. Having said this, he took bread and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And he broke it and he began to eat. All of them were encouraged and they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were about 276 persons. And when they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. And when the day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did not observe a bay with a beach. And they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders. And hoisting the foresail to the wind, they were heading for the beach. But striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground. And the brow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, he kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest should follow some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they all were brought safely to land. And so here they are in this storm. And they're really just going through it and they're getting beaten up. And now they're, they began to wave the white flag. They said, we got to throw everything overboard and we just have to let the wind control us and hopefully run in to land. There was nothing they could do. And so here they are just riding it. And we pick up in verse 32 where it says, the, sh- the soldiers cut away the ropes and let it fall away. Pastor Brad's message was called, Don't Jump Ship. It was at this point that they began to take the little, the lifeboats and they were getting ready to lower them into the water and they were going to get out of that boat and they were going to try to get themselves to safety. And that's when the apostle Paul stood up and he encouraged them and he spoke and he counseled them on behalf of the Lord. He said, don't jump ship. Guys, if we get out of this boat, if we leave this boat, we're all going to die. We all have to stay here. And the centurion listened to him. He didn't listen to him the first time. It's like that proverb, it's okay, to, we're going to fall, but we're going to get back up. We're going to learn from our mistakes. The centurion said, hey, I made the mistake. I wouldn't have been in this if I had listened to the Apostle Paul. He said, guys, we're not going to jump ship. Cut the ropes. And the guys were probably thinking, cut the ropes, we're going to crash. We need to get into these light boats. He said, cut the ropes. We're not going to jump ship. And so they cut the ropes, and the boats fell down. And I just think that's so powerful. This is a section of scripture that I've held on to many, many times in my life. Many, many times in my life growing up as a kid until a man that I am here now, when things get difficult, there's something in me that wants to jump ship. And I believe there's something not just in me, but I believe there's something in all of us. That when we get pushed and pinned down, pushed to our limits, I just got to go. I got to get out. The easy things to get out. And the Apostle Paul said, don't jump ship. Don't get out. Don't don't do that. What a word for us today. I can't help but think in a room this big with this many people that there's not some of us here tonight that are thinking about jumping ship. Jumping ship, maybe with work. Things are difficult. Things aren't the way they used to be. 
My boss knows nothing. I got to get out of here. So you're getting ready to lower the raft. raft. I'm I'm jumping ship. I'm out of here. Some of you guys might be going through a difficult time, a difficult season in your marriage. And you're thinking, this person ain't going to change. This this is the way it's going to be forever. And if this is the way that it's going to be forever, I want nothing to do with this. I'm going to jump ship. My encouragement is the same encouragement that the Apostle Paul gave to the sailors in the midst of the storm. He said, don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. We live in a time that it might never have been so dark and so gloomy. We turn on the news and the suicide rates are skyrocketing. So many people are hurting and contemplating taking their own lives. Jumping ship. I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. I can't do it. I can't do it. Don't jump ship. Cut the ropes. Cut the ropes. Endure. Persevere. Tap into the strength of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't do it. But he did it. And through him, we can. And so they were really going through it. In verse 33, they hadn't eaten for 14 days. So the Apostle Paul encourages them. He says, look, take some food. Eat. Not a hair on your head will be touched, and also none of us shall perish. This team, they were going through it. A huge storm, difficult times. 14 days, they hadn't eaten anything. They were just trying to survive. They had no time to think about eating, drinking. Even if they did, probably the fear and the anxiety, they had lost their appetites. And so they were just... Going through it, Paul says, hey, guys, we got to eat. I mean, if we're going to eat, and not only we're going to eat, we're going to get through this. And they're looking around, and they're thinking, how are we going to get through this? You see, the apostle Paul was stepping out in faith. He was walking in faith, not in fear, and not by sight. Some of you might be in a situation right now, how are we going to get through this? I don't know, but God knows. And faith, we're stepping out in it and say, God's going to bring me through it. Because he's sovereign, he's in control. He brought me to it. I'm trusting him. Without him, it can't happen. And so they were just surviving. That's no way to live. 14 days, no eating, just weathering the storm, waving the white flag. We're going to crash. It's no way to live, just surviving. Just going with the flow. They pulled up the rudders. They took the mast down. And they were just getting tossed to and fro. We're going to crash. It is what it is. We're just trying to survive. You see, and I just believe that that's not the life that Christ has for us. The place of desperation and emptiness and brokenness that they found themselves in, I don't think that that's the life that Christ has for us. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not going to be perfect and without trial, without tribulation, but I don't think we have to just survive as believers. I think it's possible through Jesus Christ for us to thrive in any and every situation, in any and every storm that we go through. I've seen it with Jesus. When, they were, when he was in the midst of the storm, he was sleeping. The disciples thought that they were going to die. How is it that this man is just sleeping in the midst of the storm? He had the peace of God. The peace from God. You see, he didn't allow the outside circumstances to dictate his inner peace. And that's the same place that we can be. 
He says in Philippians chapter 4 that we can turn our cares, our fears, our worries, and our anxieties into prayers. And when we do that, he says he will give us the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We don't have to just survive. Some of you might think you're just holding on off the cliff just by one hand and maybe one finger. It's not the life you have to live. You can thrive. You can tap into the strength and the peace of God, the peace from God, and be thriving in the midst of every situation. And so he steps out, and he gives them this word of encouragement. Guys, our hair, none of our, not one of our hairs is going to be bothered, and we're just going to make it through this. We are all going to live. This was a promise. Stepping out in faith and speaking faith and promises and truth to them. And it got me thinking, promises, encouragements, words from the Lord, these things that God gives us, promises are a lot like presents. They're not really ours until we receive them, until we believe them and make them ours. Perfect illustration is Christmas. We have presents under the tree right now, and one of them might have your name on it. But I can tell you that that's your present, but it doesn't become your present until you come up here, you grab it, you receive it, you open it up, and you make it yours. The word of God is filled with promises, truths, encouragements for you and I. But if we don't believe them, if we don't think they apply for us, if we don't think they really are applicable to the situation that we find ourselves in, they're powerless. They're meaningless to us without faith, grabbing a hold of and claiming and walking in. And so he gives them this word and he led by example. He says, we're going to eat. He grabs the bread and he, he prays for the bread and he begins to eat. And it says that they were encouraged in verse 36. They were encouraged and then they, they themselves also took food. They followed the lead. They grabbed a hold of it. They said, okay, we're going we're gonna to follow you on this. We're going we're gonna to trust you. And it's ultimately trusting God, but we're going to do this. And they were encouraged. And so I love the last few words of this chapter. Crazy storms and getting ready to jump ship, getting ready to die, getting ready to kill the prisoners. All these different things were going on. The last few words of 44 says, so it happened. They were all brought safely to land. Through it all, God's promise, you guys are going to make it. You guys are all going to make it. They crashed, they swam, they floated, they backstroke. They did whatever they could to get to the shore, but they made it. And just as the Apostle Paul, Lord's promise gave them they would make it to the storm, they wouldn't have made it if they would have jumped ship. They wouldn't have got to the land safely. They would have missed out on the blessing. They would have missed out on the deliverance because they were stuck in the situation. Don't jump ship tonight. Don't jump ship. God is going to deliver you. God has a plan for you. And so we pick up in verse 28, and it says, uh, chapter 28. It says this in verse 1. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives, they showed us extraordinary kindness for because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. 
But when the apostle Paul, in verse 3, he gathered a bundle of sticks and he laid them on the fire, a viper came out of the heat and it fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and it suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up, suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time, and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began saying that he was a god. So they didn't even know where they were. The ship gets tossed up. They still weren't even sure where they were. But it finds out that they got brought safely upon this island called Malta. They didn't know. They're looking around. They didn't even know where they were. But God was in control. He was sovereign. The word Malta, translated in the Greek, means refuge. Refuge. How fitting. Here they are in this storm, thinking that their lives are going to be over, that they're getting ready to die, that everything is over, getting ready to jump ship. They're hopeless. They have thrown the food, all their sustenance overboard. They're just saying, here we are. This is how it's going to end. But God, they randomly find refuge on this island called Malta, which is refuge. It's just a reminder for us here tonight in the midst of the storms that we go through, that Christ is our refuge The Bible says in Psalm that he's a refuge, a very present help in time of need. Don't jump ship. Search refuge. Seek refuge. He is our refuge for any and everything that we are going through today. So they land on Malta. They find their refuge. The same thing we can find, he's there. Don't let anything or anyone tell you that he's not there. He is there for you right now. And so here they are. They land, and it says the people uh, from Malta, they, were, they went out of their way for these strangers. It says they showed them not just kindness, but extraordinary kindness. They went out of their way for these people who just showed up, shipwrecked on their island. They're probably sitting on the shore, doing whatever it is that they do, relaxing, and all of a sudden, 276 prisoners, criminals, murderers are coming swimming up, and they're like, you won't believe this. Look at this. And what do they do? They go and they they set up a fire for them. They welcome them. They don't shut their doors to them. They don't shun them. And I think that's just the type of hospitality that we should have. I mean, think about that. If somebody showed up on our doorstep and they look shipwrecked, how would we treat them? The people in Malta, they took them in. They showed great hospitality to them. They wanted to, to bless them. And so I think, man, there's going to be people that God's going to put in our lives that are going to be shipwrecked. They're going to look like they just got out of a storm, that they were literally didn't think they were going to make it. But here they are in our lap. And, man, we got to treat them like the the people of Malta treated them. And so they began to get fire. They began to to get warmed up. And notice what the Apostle Paul does in verse 3. He doesn't find refuge around the fire. He begins to to pick up sticks. He begins to serve and to to bless. His life was all about that. So he's going and he's grabbing sticks and he's throwing them on the fire. He was a servant. That's who he was. He didn't let his situation change who he was. He was always a servant. That's what he knew God had called him to do. But it was while he was serving. Take note. 
He was serving, doing those things that God had called him to do. What happens? He gets bit by the viper. Viper comes out and it bites him. And people were thinking, oh my goodness, this is it. Now, it would have been easy for the Apostle Paul to, to get some rest. They hadn't been eating very much. They had just got done weathering the storm. It might have been easy for him to gather all the people around, all 276 people, and said, look, we wouldn't be here if you just would have listened to me. Easy for him to be bitter. Easy for him to be a little upset, a little angry. Easy for him to, to maybe be upset now that he's bit by this deadly viper, thinking that this is it. This is the way that he, it's going to be over. But he doesn't do any of those things at all. He just begins to serve, and while he was serving, that's when this viper struck. That's when this viper bit him. And I think the, the spiritual illustration for us is that will happen too in our lives for all of us who want to serve. How many of you guys want to serve the Lord? You're going to get bit by vipers. Let me ask you again. How many want to serve the Lord? You're going to get bit. By, they're going to get you. They're going to get you inside, outside, all around. And it's discouraging. Man, I'm here serving the Lord. I'm, I'm getting bit by these snakes, this poison. They're spewing poison in me, spewing, spewing poison about me. And I'm trying to do your will, Lord. But that's okay. The enemy attacks people who are serving the Lord. You see, if you want to be a servant of God, you need to expect the enemy of God to do anything and everything to stop you from serving God. And that's what the viper wants to do. That's what the, the snake, that's what poison, poison actually has a paralyzing effect on us. If you get bit by a snake, it, it begins to paralyze. And that's what it wants to do for us spiritually. We think that we can get so discouraged. We're serving the Lord. We get so discouraged by the enemy attacking us. That we'll just stop and just think, is this, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? God, I'm serving you and this is happening and I'm going through this. And this person said this about me and I'm trying to do your will. And we get paralyzed and we stop and then we get out. That's exactly what the enemy wants to happen. And so we have to have strength to persevere, to endure and know Man, when we're serving the Lord, we're going, to get, we're going to get bit and be encouraged by it. Get happy when the viper bites you. Ooh, I must be serving the Lord. Yeah, that hurt a little bit, but God, I must be doing something right because these snakes are after me. Now, people aren't snakes, okay? I don't want you to say, hey, you're a little snake. Pastor, warn me about you. Don't do that. You little viper. What'd you? No, don't do it. That's the enemy. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against each other. It's a spiritual battle taking place. And we got to know the enemy is the one who's trying to hurt. And so he shakes this thing off in verse 5. The natives began to look and they're thinking, man, some sort of karma must have happened. Something must have taken place. He's a murderer. He's a criminal. And look, he's getting what he deserves. The evil deeds that he had done. But he shook it off in verse 5. How crazy would it have been all these people were probably thinking, knowing the Apostle Paul's testimony, that a snake bite is going to take down the Apostle Paul. Not the beatings, not the floggings, not being shipwrecked, nothing. It's going to be a snake. But that couldn't happen because God wasn't done with the Apostle Paul yet. So the snake couldn't stop him because God wasn't done with him. God had promised him in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, that he would go to Rome and he wasn't in Rome. And so this was just 
going to be part of his story. This was just going to be part of his testimony. God had to bring him through this. And the Apostle Paul doesn't freak out because he knew this. He knew God appeared to him in chapter 27, verse 11, and said, you will go to Rome. You will be my witness in Rome. And so the Apostle Paul gets bit by a snake. He says, that's it. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. People are looking. You see, the Apostle Paul knew something. That's important that we grab a hold of tonight. We talked about promises. We talked about these truths that God speaks to us and gives us. They're nothing unless we believe them and receive them. The Apostle Paul, when God met him and said, you're going to go to Rome, he believed it. So he knew this wasn't it. Snake it off me. I got places to go. I got things to do for the Lord. And so it didn't affect him because he, he held on and was strengthened in the promises of God. And so they're watching him, they're seeing this, and it says they changed their minds. That quick, this guy's a murderer. Wait, wait a minute. No, he's God. <laughs> Isn't it just like people? One minute it's like, oh my goodness, I love that guy. That guy's such a good guy. Wait, what? I hate that guy. That quick. Just like that, I've seen it. Somebody we've known for so long, we hear, we hear something, and all of a sudden I've seen it. What well, just changed that quick? No, no, I hate him. And that's, that's what happened here. Verse 7, we pick up. It says, now in the neighborhood of that place where lands, be were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed for him, he laid his hands on him, and he healed him. And after this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. They also honored us with many marks of respect, and when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all that we need. And at the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship that had withered... Um, the island, which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. So God begins to, to do some amazing things. He, he heals and protects the Apostle Paul because he wasn't done with him yet. And then there's a man named Publius. It says that he was um, a leading man in this community. He would have been the equivalent of the uh, Roman governor in this region. And so he takes him in. And the way this was written, 276 Governor says, hey, I want all the murderers, the killers. Let's, let's bring them in. I'm going to take them in. And I'm not just going to take them in for a meal. He says, I'm going to take them in for three days. This is hospitality. The governor's going out of his way, and he brings them in. And I just think how, how quickly things can change in our lives. And I just want to beat home and reiterate the fact, anybody and everyone who might be thinking about jumping ship, don't jump ship. Just a few moments prior to this, they were thinking their life was over. They were going to die at sea in the midst of the storm. Now they are in the most lavish, luxurious home on the island of Malta, hanging out with the governor. Just like that. The Apostle Paul's thinking, man, <laughs> think about this. I'm with the governor. You're going to bring me and all these dudes? Three days? Could you imagine what those prisoners were thinking? We're on our way to Rome you know, grandma's not going to believe what happened. I'm with the governor, you know, taking selfies. Like, look, hey, you know, like it was crazy. It was wild. That quick. I just want to share with you guys, God can change your situation that quick. 
God can do a miracle in a minute. The word of God is filled with times like that. I think about in Acts chapter 16, remember the Philippian jailer, he pulled out his sword and he was getting ready to stab himself. His life was over. The prisoner's gotten away. Paul says, wait, hold on. He goes, what are you doing? Man, we're still here. That quick. He went from suicide to salvation. That quick. Don't jump ship. Man, your situation, it may be dark right now. The day is the darkest, right before the sun rises. God can deliver you just like that. So don't jump ship. Continue to weather. And so he takes him in for three days, and Publius' father just so happens to come down with what they call Malta fever. And this Malta fever was caused by some sort of microorganism within goat milk. And so he was sick, and it would stick, it would stick with you and really weigh you down for about four months. And so he did. God set up this divine appointment. Paul just happened to be there. He said, hey, your, your dad's sick. Let, let me go pray for him. He goes over there and prays for him. He lays his hands on him, and he was healed. But it says not just him. All the people on the island started coming around. They had a little medical missionary outreach. The apostle Paul was laying hands on healing, and Luke was a doctor. They were probably having a competition. You know, Luke was, you know, open, say, ah. You know, they were, he was doing his thing. The apostle Paul was doing his thing, and all the people were coming. It was a divine appointment. They brought him through this storm that they could serve this island of Malta and do great and mighty things. And so now they're on their way. They, get, they spend three months there. And now they're on their way. And we pick up in verse 12. It says, after we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we sailed around and we arrived at Rigium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came Patuli. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, they came up from as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And when we entered Rome, Paul allowed, was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they had come together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any accusation from my nation. For this reason, therefore, I am requesting to see you and to speak with you, for I am wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. They said to him, we have neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. So finally, they come to Rome. They finally come to Rome and they're getting close. And at one point in verse 14, it says they were still on the outskirts of Rome. But when the brethren had heard about it, it said they came from 
faraway lands from the market to the three ends to meet us. They were on the outskirts, and these people traveled for over 50 miles to come and be with the Apostle Paul. 50 miles doesn't sound like much, but back then it was very, very difficult travel. Now, they didn't even know the Apostle Paul, but he had written the letter of Romans to them about three years prior. So they couldn't wait to see him, to be with him, and so they felt the love. And so the Apostle Paul comes, and once he gets there, he calls the Jewish brethren together, and he says, look, Man, guys, I've done nothing against you. I'm not teaching against your rules, your regulations. I haven't done anything against our people. It's important that you know that. The only reason that I'm here is because of the hope that lies within me. That's what he said in verse 20. He said, for the sake of the hope of Israel. And they knew what that meant. The hope of Israel was spoken about, was taught about, and it was what the patriarchs. It was what they spoke about, the coming Messiah. And he said, let me tell you, that's what I'm here for. I believe that Jesus is that Messiah, and he fulfilled everything that they had said would happen. And so they said to him, we haven't heard anything, which is interesting because the Jews in Jerusalem, they kept bringing accusation against accusation against him, but nobody else knew about it. It just shows that their accusations were just empty, and there was no real point or case in it at all. They just wanted him gone. But the Apostle Paul gets his open door. They said in verse 22, but we desire to hear. We want to hear from you about this sect, what you believe. And so the Apostle Paul has his open door to preach to the people in Rome who he loved so much. And you can catch that rest of this chapter on the Internet. Pastor Brad preached the Sunday morning message called Preaching and Teaching and With five minutes left to spare, thank you so much for bearing with me. We finished the book of Acts. Can I get an amen? Amen Amen for the book of Acts. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy in our lives, Lord. We thank you for your word tonight, Lord, so much, so rich, so encouraging. Lord, but I think the thing that just keeps echoing in in our heads is don't jump ship. Don't jump ship. Lord, you can do a miracle in a minute. And God, in the midst of those trials, Lord, you are using them to, to build us up, to encourage us, to teach us, to help us, to instruct us. And God, if we jump ship, we're going to miss out on the things you desire to do in our lives. And God, we don't want that. And if we jump ship, we're giving in to the things that the enemy wants, Lord. He wants to use us to to bring us down, to take our eyes off of you. And so strengthen each one of us here tonight, God. God, give us the strength to, to grab a hold of you, to trust in your promises and those things that you say to us. We believe it, Lord. We want to grab a hold of it and walk in it tonight, Lord. Lord, I just think there's somebody here tonight who's struggling, who's hurting, And just surviving, God. I pray, Lord, that you would impart faith and strength and grace. Everything needed to understand, Lord, that we don't have to just survive. We can thrive in you. So, God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon each one of us here. Bless us as we go. We thank you for the book of Acts. We want to be the church of Acts. We want to be the men and women in the book of Acts. And so help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to share the hope that lies within. Help us to invite somebody. Lord, understanding that we probably are all here because of a simple invitation, Lord. 
And so, God, as we leave, leave with us. Pour out your grace upon us. And we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name.